Beers and Tears would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land from which we conduct this podcast, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their continued connection to the land and waterways and sky of this beautiful place, and we pay our respects to Elders past and present, and extend that respect to all First Nations people present today, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Beers and Tears. Today, I'm joined with the Kite String Tangle. Hi, how are you today? G'day. I'm good. Very well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Are you in your studio currently? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm in my studio in Brisbane, Fortitude Valley. Um, Yeah, I guess like this is my second home, I suppose. Spent a lot of time here. Cool. Can you run me through what's going on behind you? um yeah there's uh i wish i could take the camera off but yeah there's there's like a big mixing console over here i've got a drum kit and a guitar and a bunch of synths and weird modular synths uh and stuff but the whole like ethos of the studio is that um everything's always plugged in and mic'd up and ready to go so you can kind of have like as little interruption to the creative process as possible so if you have an idea you can just like get it down you don't have to set anything up you can just go um yeah with the idea being that you know um the quicker you get ideas out the better because you kind of get in that flow state and then um, any interruptions to that can kind of uh derail the whole thing Mm. cool well to begin with do you want to kind of just run me through the musical journey of the kite string tangle up until now and i guess why you started creating music um yeah yeah totally i um i think i feel like it's a similar story for many people many many like bedroom producers but essentially grew up in high school playing in bands like pop punk playing blink and stuff (laughs) um and then got to a stage where we wanted to record our songs and then so someone had to kind of draw the short straw and work out how to do that um and that was me and my band and so then i went and studied at uni did like um studied pop music and audio engineering and yeah i kind of like was super into band music but then the more i sort of recorded band music and realized all the fun and interesting things you could do with music once it was in the computer that kind of um that's when i started to really love production i suppose and branching out from those traditional sort of band sounds uh and then yeah i was in a band another band like more electronic leaning band for five years or so and then started my own solo projects which is called the Kate string tangle um and then yeah sort of started i released like one or two songs and then it sort of kind of eclipsed any success that i'd had previously and so that was that was pretty awesome just like a a quick rise for that project uh and then yeah i guess it's been going on for almost 10 years now this is um uh releasing my third album this year later this year hopefully and i guess sonically the journey has kind of gone it's progressed i I would say it's still in the same wheelhouse somewhat but it's definitely um 
a bit more sort of club focused now, a bit more uh, like harder hitting, whereas it started out being a bit more laid back and like sometimes slower influences like James Blake and like even Bonnie Ver and London Grammar, like the slower sort of electronic side um, and just nice songwriting. And now there's more like, uh, I guess, I don't know, Bonobo, Jamie XX, the Camel Fat even, Cassian, Rufus, Dussault, um, more sort of like festivaly, larger sounding music is, is uh, I guess, the references. Do you find that you listen to that music a lot or do you find that you steer more away from listening to that? Uh, it's a good question. I, I do listen to that music a lot. Um, I have a friend that, like, he'll refuse to listen to music that he likes because he finds that he, like, too closely references it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I had this point where I was like, that what the music I was making was very different to the music I was listening to, but it wasn't uh, intentional. Like, it just was what was coming out or what I could do um was just different to what i was listening to and i don't know why and i don't know if that's a good or bad thing i still haven't decided but like uh, i guess there was a more focused effort in the last uh, in this album or you know all the songs i've been releasing this year uh to try and more closely align those two things what are you listening to at the moment Ooh, um my listening habits are very like i'll find an album and then obsess over it for six months yeah rather than like you know um playlists and one 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 single song where you don't know the artist but i don't know i'm very much an album guy still uh i've been completely obsessed with this album by a band called who made who i don't know if you've ever heard of them no Um, but they're it's just super interesting production super interesting songwriting and just like just a vibe it's um yeah but like electronic sort of um very groovy and like yeah you can get lost in it um also a band called weevil similar thing it's almost like a electronic but uh psychedelic tones i guess and again really interesting production cool you have a new song out called a new day um can you, yeah, tell me a little bit about the creative process of this track and I guess any significant themes that you explored. You kind of said that vocally it was one that you like kept coming back to. Yeah, for sure. So I did like, I did something that I don't usually do for this album, um, which was like, I found that the thing I'm best at and the thing that I enjoy most is the production. And then, so I'd like write these instrumentals and then try and lay vocals down on top but the problem was i was finding like i would i'd fall in love with these instrumentals and i really liked them and spent a lot of time with them and then tried to put a vocal on it but the vocal was never as good as i wanted it to be and so like it sort of tainted the whole song and it made it really hard to put a vocal on it at the at the end for some reason so i tried to flip it this time and i just wrote a whole bunch of songs just vocals and lyrics and melodies pretty much and then took the ones that i liked and then produced them because i found that that was it was easier to do it that way around i would get something that i liked more often and so this was one of those tracks that i wrote just the vocals for first and then yeah just kept coming back to it because i really liked it and i liked the um 
I liked the the fact that it was more positive, I suppose, and more like um, I have this theory that uh, happy songs are harder to write. And so when you can <laughs> write a happy song, then it's like, I don't know, better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you get lots of like themes of positivity and change. And, and I think like my previous stuff has been probably leaning more towards the um, depresso side. Not, not necessarily, but, you know, in, introspective. Yeah, totally. Cool. And sonically, um, I read that you used a sound called the conch that you quite enjoyed. Um, I guess I was just wondering, like, what else you kind of played around with sonically with this new music, um, yeah, in comparison to the other stuff that you've written in the past. Yeah, I think... Um... In the past, I have been less bound to, um, I don't know, I was trying to make it this record a lot more cohesive. Uh, and so I think I was a bit more conscious of the sounds I was using, the sonic palette and the even the tempos and stuff. They're all a bit closer to one another. And like um, a lot of the sounds are definitely influenced from sort of more techno music i guess i spent a, a little bit of time in berlin and got really obsessed with um certain genres uh, subgenres of techno and there was a lot of like head nods to you know it's, it's this music is far from techno but it's yeah. um there's uh there's some head nods to the to the sonics i think um that was conscious oh and prior to this track you released an instrumental track I'm I'm gonna butcher the name. You tell me what it, how to pronounce it. Uh, Euclidean. Euclidean. So. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess you've maintained quite a unique and distinct artistic identity in a sense um, throughout the kite string tangle. How would you say you kind of like stay true to? the vision that you want to create, but also like navigating pressures of being in the music industry and like releasing an instrumental track within your album or like just doing something that's kind of not necessarily as mainstream in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. That one's a hard one because I don't know. I feel like it's ever evolving um, how people treat that stuff. Like I definitely, there was a phase in my career where I did try to please the people around me, I think, or like trying do what I thought people wanted. Um, but what I found was that stuff was never the stuff that went well anyway. And the things that did, you know, resonate were the not the things you expect. Um, and so I think the lesson there for me was to just ignore all of those external pressures as best you can and just try and do something that you enjoy because, um, you know, doing music and writing music, writing songs for yourself was how it all started. And that's what originally resonated with people. So it's weird because like once music becomes a business, it's like you're expected to apply business logic to it, but mm -hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't really work because you don't pivot to consumer needs as a musician, like consumers come to you to be led. They don't want to, they don't want you to change to what they want because I don't know. But yeah, so I guess in answer to your question, I try to ignore it as best as possible and just um, and just try to follow my nose and do something that I think is really uh, cool and special. Because in the end, like I'm the one that's going to have to like play it for ten years and stand by it and 
tell my kids this was a song your your dad did or whatever yeah and uh be proud of it so i guess yeah that's what i tried to do cool and within i guess your whole musical journey but also throughout the creation of this next batch of songs and this next album was there like a pivotal moment for you I guess that like influenced your growth as an artist and your growth throughout creating this music now um not greatly I guess the 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 pandemic was definitely an interesting time because my previous album came out in March 2020 um which was like you know the month that everything sort of got locked down and it was it was so unfortunate uh timing wise and had to cancel the tour and whatever and then just kind of had three years to kind of reflect and <laughs> uh write new music and try to work out what what this project is and what it's going to be and how it evolves um because i guess it's different to starting a project uh, like a brand new project or a young projects like this with you've got previous records to compare to and so you're, you're trying to like evolve and work mm-hmm. out how to maintain your own interest in other people's as well but yeah I, I don't know i guess there's always you know life events and stuff going on as well um that inform that kind of thing but i suppose it's um being a solo project it's always so closely tied to yourself as a person um in contrast to being in a band where you have to kind of be the average of everyone and um it's not tied to the identity of one singular person as much uh whereas with the solo project it kind of is so your your influences tend to be a bit more direct yeah totally your first release of this next lot of music um was called first is called first fight can you kind of run me through this track a little bit um it's your first track in three years and like why you decided that this was the one (laughs) um i guess i was always like writing with an album in mind so like a body of work um and just put together a bunch of songs a bunch of demos and this fight was the it was the last track I wrote for the record, actually. And so I kind of liked the idea of releasing it first because anyone who writes music knows that, like, often by the time you get around to releasing it, you're kind of over it or you've it's a year old or something. And so I kind of <laughs> I kind of loved the idea of, of reversing that. So I was super, super excited about that song still. So I wanted to just like keep that energy and um, yeah, and I, and it it worked. I was super excited about it when it came out and uh, yeah, yeah, it was cool. It just made sense to me. Um, also, it's an interesting track, uh, a, a bit more, a bit uh, less obvious, I guess, to what my previous stuff sounded like. And so I thought it would be a good um, good way to lead back in. Would you say that like it's kind of in like a topic at hand? for me of like how you keep like you were saying like it kind of gets old by the time you're releasing it how do you find that you can like stay present with your release cycle that you're currently releasing whilst like still staying motivated like you probably already 
sort of creating and always creating new music all the time, I guess you still want to be excited about what you are releasing in that moment, be like pretty present and motivated in releasing that. So how do you find your relationship with that is? Yeah, I think, uh, I think usually the, that gets an extra it gets an extra life uh once you release it because you get to see other people's reactions mm-hmm. so i think like you sort of get re-energized by other people's reactions to it um and i guess live shows if you're doing them although they're they've been fairly infrequent as of late but um yeah i feel like hearing other people talk about it and hearing them hear it for the first time it kind of like takes you back to when you were very first writing it and what you were excited about when you wrote it. Um, and so I kind of try to use that, <laughs> like steal some of their uh, <laughs> first impressions mm. and, and try to remember what it was like. And do you find that like re- kind of writing with an album in mind makes it more conceptual in a way? Yeah, I think for me, I don't know why, but I've always sort of written like that i think it's almost like a and it doesn't like it doesn't have to come out as an album it can come out just one song at a time but i think just in my head it makes more sense to to package it that way i don't know if it was just like being an album person and and growing up listening to albums or if um there's i also think there's potentially like you know when if the if it's if you're writing songs for an album then you're not writing the next single. So there's less pressure for it to be really great. It's mm. just like one of many songs that you're writing. So it's like, it doesn't have to be good it, it, or it doesn't have to be the best, you know, it, does, it has to be just good enough. And then you can come back and look at all of them as a project and decide which one's the best. Yeah. Whereas if you're writing one song at a time then you have to be like, this is the best song and this is what we're releasing next. And I don't know. So I yeah. think it's almost like a, a cowardly way of writing. Songs. Yeah, well, because I was going to say, like, so many, a lot of people kind of, like, come from the mindset of, like, write every song like it's going to be your next yeah. single or whatever. Um, so, like, so much pressure, though. Yeah, so you don't necessarily feel like you align with that. Um, like, I understand why you would want to do that, but then also, you know, Sometimes things just want to be an instrumental track. Or yeah, yeah, totally. Space for the for a journey. Like maybe you write something really epic, but it's, it doesn't really have a place on radio, but maybe it's a cool opener for a live show or whatever it is. Yeah. So I think, um, and also I've written so many songs where like I, I'll start writing with one thing in mind and end up somewhere completely different. And if you're always trying to like bring it back to this one particular thing, then you will never, you, you won't have ended up where you ended up. Maybe it's a more uh, consistent way to write <laughs> that way, but um, I guess it's more adventurous, exploratory. Yeah, totally. Less bound, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. And my final question is um, you have played a number of live shows in the past. What does your live show look like or what what is your vision for this new live show um, with this new music? And what has been like a gig highlight for you and also a gig horror story where things have gone a little bit wrong? Um, 
the the live show for me has changed a bunch over time i've had i started out just doing it um just myself then there was a point where i had like a three-piece band and a horn section and guest vocalists and then the last few years has been just me and a drummer um and then as for this album i'm not really sure i i'm sort of working that out at the moment but i think i'm contemplating going back to uh just doing it solo and maybe leaning heavier into the the lighting and visual element of the show. Nice. So that's where my head's currently at. Um, show highlights, I reckon. I, I mean, I know everyone in Australia always says Splendor, but it's, it is kind of one of those things where um, for me that I've played it two times and the first time I played it was really like the first time I saw thousands of people singing my lyrics to me and that was like i just remember that being like quite a like just crazy moment pinch yourself like what the hell is going on this is real kind of moment mm. uh, so i think i think that one's always really special um and a horror story we uh we played this show in um barcelona primavera that festival and <laughs> I have this like redundant setup where you have like two computers. If one fails, then it goes switches over to the other one, um, so that you can avoid sort of thing, uh, you know, big messy mm. breakdown. But uh, we, yeah, someone had um, tripped over a cord somewhere and pulled the power to both of them. Oh no! <laughs> Mid song, and so like the whole thing just sort of failed, and it took like. 15 minutes to get it back up and running and it was we only had like a 30 minute set and it was just like a nightmare oh chaos like and it was our only like show in that country so it's like uh yeah you never want to fly and have all this crew and equipment and then just for it all to fall mm -hmm. flat on it but hey that's you know that's live music that's what Living we learn. yeah <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much um, for having a chat with me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Where there's nothing left to say No need for us to care